Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Skate Podcast. Talking Bruins hockey with WEI Bruins writers Scott McLaughlin, Bridget Prue, and Brian DeFelice. Lace them up for some bees talk. It's Odyssey's The Skate Pod on WEI. Woo! Welcome into episode 205 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined by Bridget Prue and Scott McLaughlin. Bridget and Scott, the Bruins have been in the news the last few days locally and uh, league-wide. Obviously, the NHL awards were in Vegas, and there were a few Bruins bringing home some hardware there. We'll get into Nashville. that. They're in Nashville. Oh, yeah, that's true, Nashville. <laughs> like, it's they- like Vegas, but like <laughs> a little bit more southern. <laughs> Weren't they always in Vegas before? Like every year they were always in Vegas? Or did they always move around? I feel like they were in L.A. before. They they were in Vegas one year, but I think it generally moves around. Yeah. Well, they were in Nashville. Um, But regardless, the, the biggest news is – Taylor Hall is no longer a Boston Bruin. He goes to the Chicago Blackhawks in a essentially a salary dump. Nick Foligno, uh, Chicago got the rights to him as well as a as a UFA, and they signed him to a one year, four million dollar contract. The Bruins got a few minor leaguers in return, and um, they also made another move. So, guys, the Bruins, the wheels are in motion already this offseason. Things have to happen quick for them because it's going to be a busy offseason for them, and it's 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 already starting. Yeah, we knew there had to be salary dumped somewhere possibly multiple players i still think there's going to be more you know you still get that log jam on the left side of the defense and you figure one of grizzlick forbert or riley at least one of them is moving in some fashion whether it's a trade or you know the buyout window still open till the end of the month um you have to think something's going to happen there but we also thought you know one of the bigger contracts and we highlighted all along you know, probably either Taylor Hall or Lena Selmark or both was going to be gone and it ends up being Taylor Hall to start. We'll see what comes next. But yeah, like you said, it was essentially a pure salary dump. Um, you do get the rights, the restricted free agent rights to two uh, younger defensemen, Ian Mitchell and Alec Regula. Um, Ian Mitchell has actually played like 82 NHL games. So there's some experience there. He doesn't exactly have a great track record in Chicago. Um, he was sort of one of the, you know, one of the bottom of the roster guys on a really bad team, but maybe there's something there. He played for Jim Montgomery at Denver. So obviously a, a player that he's familiar with and uh, Regula's 22. He's, he's a big guy. I think he's six, four. So, you know, see how he develops in Providence and maybe have something. So it's not like they didn't get anything, but for the most part, it was, you know, it was all about moving that salary out and that's uh they didn't have to give up anything else, you know, didn't have to give up any picks or prospects to do it, which if you're moving someone like a Forbert or Riley, you might have to. So that's $6 million off the book. I think we, you know, now the Bruins are a little under $11 million in terms of cap space, which is, you know, still when you look at how many roster positions they need to fill, now they're down to six forwards signed to NHL contracts. Uh, $11 million runs out really quickly. So you got to figure this, 
still more moves coming, especially if they want to re-sign Tyler Bertuzzi, which certainly seems to be a priority and seems like the logical next step after getting rid of Hall. Yeah, it kind of it kind of felt like you would almost need to already know that Bertuzzi was interested to come back and to, in order to make this decision, right? Because just like you said, you don't have all that many forwards under contract, so you kind of have to know what other forwards you're you're gonna have back before you trade away a Taylor Hall. Um, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I do want to say I I like Taylor Hall as a player. I don't think the decision was really based on like his performance. I thought he had a good playoff run. Um, I hear people like all of a sudden having some sort of revisionist history about how Taylor Hall, like didn't help the team at all. But if, if anybody recalls, he was one of the better players in the playoffs. Um, And also a lot of revisionist history that, I mean, Bertuzzi had a good playoffs too. They, they both did, but kind of letting Bertuzzi off the hook for some of the the dumb passes and, and different things that I personally think if he doesn't make a few of them, they might win that series. Um, but anyhow, um, Bertuzzi seems to be the the most obvious choice for where that money could go now uh, because we know they do want to keep him around if they can. We're not, we're not sure what the price is yet, though. Um but Don Sweeney must have a decent gauge on it, I think. But also, you couldn't trade Allmark on the day of the NHL Awards where he's going up for a Vesna. Like, the optics of that would be so strange. And Don Sweeney's sitting there right with, like, in the front row with Montgomery and his wife. And, um, yeah, it would have been weird. And Scott and I were talking about this before, but, like, there was a little bit of awkwardness in Allmark's speech at the awards because he mentioned – that coaching staff butted heads about like the goalies and but yeah but he was like but we were all friends at the end of the day and it was kind of like okay well we didn't know any of that like behind the scenes was going on that there was like butting heads and I wonder how much of that he's talking about in the playoffs or or what um also we, we can talk about some of the other things he said but um I mostly just bring up his comments because he could easily be on the way out too. Um, we've heard more recently that they they want to keep both goalies. Um, but do you think that this gives them enough leeway cap wise to not have to make another big salary dump with Allmark? Well, I wouldn't view well, so I, I understand why you I understand the question. Um it Allmark moving Allmark wouldn't be a strict salary dump that would be a no, hockey I mean, you'd be also wanting to get picks and stuff back but mm-hmm. um is it necessary is maybe the way i should frame it i i think it is i i think this team needs to well f- so first of all on the on the taylor hall aspect of it yeah it's one of those situations where they better re-sign bertuzzi because if you don't well it, it, look so the situation the bruins are in like they're up against the cap no matter what and and after last playoffs collapse and choke job i like for, from personally nobody's job outside of a couple of guys should be safe and if the bruins want to shake things up they they reserve that right so if they don't sign bertuzzi and 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 they essentially let, let taylor hall go for salary relief you know what like fine i mean it's not ideal if you want to try to stay competitive but um so yeah so that's like the caveat to 
to dumping Taylor Hall's salary to Chicago is that yes, you should you should resign Bertuzzi or else it's kind of like, well, okay, you, you got rid of some cap, but yeah, he's a good player though. So hopefully they can get Bertuzzi. I like Bertuzzi. I would rather Bertuzzi over Taylor Hall long term. Um, I I know he made a couple of ill-advised defenses on uh, passes, Bridget. Um, but I just like, I mean, at the same time, he had how many big goals for the team, and if he doesn't score those, maybe they aren't, aren't in positions to win games that they ended up choking away. Um, and I just like his overall. He has some work to do defensively, sure. That that's 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 definite. But I just like his overall persona and 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 his approach to the game. So long term, I really want them to sign him. To your question about is trading Olmark or somebody else to relieve more more salary cap necessary? I absolutely think so. And I I said this last week when we spoke. I think that the goaltending position is vital, but I don't think that you need to have two number one goalies. I think you can, like, outside of Andre Vasilevsky in the last five years. I mean, you look at the you look at the last twenty Stanley Cup champions, and maybe 20 percent of the time, it was like a top elite goalie that that hoisted the Stanley Cup for their winning team. Most of the time, it's it's just it's just somebody kind of random. It's they're a flash in the pan here or. They had a couple strong years, so I just think the goaltending position is very important. But I don't think it's essential to have Allmark and Swayman. So, um, and I think there's other guys, other trades that could be that can happen too. And I'm I'm open to anything after last year. I don't want to. I, I know Scott's point about I'm not gonna I'm not gonna overlook a, a historic 82 game season that the Bruins had last year. I'm with you on that. I'm just saying like. If, if the Bruins feel changes needed, I, I support them. I I I I don't have any like. When, when shit like that happens, like they did in the postseason, you have to be uh, willing to accept anything. And I guess I'm just willing to accept anything that they do. Hopefully, it's everything that they do is for, is for the best. Yeah. And on Allmark, like what, what you're talking about, I, I feel like that's also, yeah, I mentioned this on the last podcast, but that could also potentially lead to his market being a bit depressed. Like if other teams kind of have that same attitude of like, hey, look at the kind of goalies that have won Stanley Cups. You know, why would we trade a first round pick for, for Linus Elmark when we can just, you know, throw a few different pretty good goalies at it and hope one of them gets hot? Like, there's obviously risk in that approach, but after seeing Vegas with Aiden Hill win the cup, I could see teams kind of adopting that attitude, which wouldn't help the Bruins market. And I, you know, the situation I could see where they hang on to both goalies is just that the right deal isn't out there. And I'm not just giving Linus Allmark away. Like if, if they traded Allmark in the same kind of trade that they just made with Taylor Hall, where it's like, all right, you're just dumping salary and, you know, Hey, we'll take two fringe NHLers that may or may not ever play for us. I would not like that. Like you, you can't do that with Linus Allmark. He has more value. So like, he's got to get you, you know, if not the first round, like at least into the second and possibly something else along with that, or, a much better prospect or, you know, part of a hockey trade where maybe you're targeting a center. Like there's got to be something real coming back in return for Linus Allmark for me. So if that deals out there, then yeah, I'm absolutely still open to trading them because I do think with this team right now, I think that money would be better spent on other positions, loading up elsewhere and going a little cheaper at goalie. But if the right trade isn't out there, then, you know, ultimately I would be okay with hanging on to him and, you know, 
reevaluating. Maybe you move a goalie at the trade deadline. Maybe you revisit next off season. Um, but you know, look, having this goal, great goalie tandem is, was a huge part of their success in the regular season last year. So at the very least, it would help you win games in the regular season and get back to the playoffs, be in that position and, you know, see where you're at. So they had to, they had to dump someone's salary. Taylor Hall is a huge chunk taken out. That helps a lot. You know, more is still needed, but it does allow you, you know, if you're looking at Linus Allmark's market, you now have at least a little leverage where you can say, well, we're just going to hang on to him. Like you don't, you don't need to have teams waiting you out and offering you crap in return. Um, the Bruins now are at least at a spot where they could walk away from the table and just say, no, if you're not going to give us something good, then we're not trading them. Like, you know, see ya. Yeah, I, I do think it ties in a lot with the center conversation, right? If you do move him and you see – if the Bruins do move him and, and you see that it's in some sort of a deal with a center, um, even though they haven't announced Bergeron or Krejci's decision yet, you it, it points in a certain direction. Like if, if you see the Bruins go out and trade Allmark in a package to bring someone like – Pierre-Luc Dubois, other, we talked about it a few episodes ago, um, a few centers that the Bruins could target, especially we're, we're talking like a number one or number two center. Um, if they're targeting someone like that and kind of feel like you would know your answer on where Bergeron and Krejci stand, um, even though as of right now it hasn't been announced, we know that they were planning on informing the team a few weeks, a month after the season. So um, I, I think – They've already made that decision. They've let Sweeney know before he can make these moves, um, you know, what the, what their team looks like. Um, they're not going to leave him out uh, without that information and, and make it harder for him to just predict the future. So he already knows what's going on. I I don't think the Taylor Hall move really shows any indication of that Bergeron Krejci front of things. But if Allmark were to be moved for a center, that would really kind of show us where things might be at organizationally, because if you just lose Krejci, you probably can just replace him with Zaka. But if you are going to lose Bergeron, that would mean a bigger move would be necessary for a competitive non-rebuilding or non-bridge season. Yeah, I, I think as far as Allmark goes, of course, it's a different situation than Taylor Hall. Like you're not, you're not trading him away for nothing for a straight salary cap relief because that's irresponsible when he's literally the reigning Vesna trophy winner. And to your, to your point, Scott, about how other teams may adopt the Vegas style and that might hinder the Bruins ability to market Allmark properly. Um, I, I, I agree though. This could be still a unicorn example because he is the Vesna trophy winner officially as of last night. And I still think that, there are a lot of teams that do not have a sure thing in goal. And you can look at a reigning Vezina Trophy winner and say to yourself, okay, if we put him in net and we want to make the playoffs, the problem won't be in goal anymore. And so hopefully that is one asterisk to maybe a team's being like recognizing what, what we might recognize and that you can probably get away with. You definitely need good goaltending when it matters most, but do you need an elite guy on the books? Maybe not, but he, hopefully that that'll 
that'll entice teams. Um, but yeah, as far as like, yeah, if they were to trade him for a center, yeah, maybe maybe that would be indicative, Bridget. Um, I don't. It's one of those situations where they're still there's they'll still probably try to find any return that they can get for him, and, and I don't think they're gonna want to try to sell low. I just don't know if there's a a perfect match made in heaven where it's gonna be a goalie for center swap, just because if you're trading for a number one goalie but you're shipping on a number one caliber center it's it's like what direction is your team kind of going in it that's kind of a those are two very important pieces to just kind of they don't really cancel each other out it's like you're getting rid of, rid of one need to acquire another well the, but, the only the only answer would be like cultural change like it would be best for both teams to kind of move on from each other like the center that mm-hmm. as uh, let the team know he doesn't want to be there anymore um maybe mm-hmm. one of those situations which we mentioned um here Luke Dubois might be in that kind of a situation there's certain centers out there that kind of want to be out the door on the teams and are looking for a change. So if you can get something in return um, for them, then you might as, may as well go for, for a, a guy like a sure thing in net uh, if you're, if that's what you're also looking for. So. Yeah. I, I feel like realistically for the Bruins, if they were to move all Mark, maybe it's tough to really kind of gauge the market, but hopefully they could, trade up or, or trade them and potentially get back into the first round this year. Um, it's, 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 it's a deep draft. That would be ideal. I don't, I, I think if, if you're, t- let's be honest, guys, Lena Solmark up until this past season was, he was just kind of a guy. Like he was good for Boston. He was good in Buffalo on a bad team. But if you're, if you can trade him away and, and alleviate yourself from $5 million of his cap space, and then also, Hop into hop into the first round this year, depending on what team you know you're you're dealing with. Like for Linus Allmark, like I think if we said that last this time last year, we'd be like, oh hell yeah, like absolutely, Linus Allmark worth a first round pick when you're when it's what you need because you don't have any of those. So I don't even need them to do a, a, a an NH bring an NHL caliber player back. I mean, if 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 you were to get a a first round pick and maybe like a fringe roster player, like whatever. I'm just saying. Um, but I do have a question for you guys. Like there have been some rumblings and. I this this summer on Twitter and, and social media, I have I have literally just this offseason, I've just buried my head in the sand. Everybody, everybody and their mother is is an insider with scoops and 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 rumors. I, the guy I, in the south or the guy in the north end at the Italian restaurant who <laughs> says he overhears the conversations going on between well, Pasternak and yeah, and it's it's so much more of a mess now thanks to Elon. Musk. Like now that they're that blue check marks like don't mean anything. It's like mm-hmm. there's people just like impersonating reporters. They're throwing they're saying like they work for a media organization or a podcast and they don't. And it's like it's such a mess. Like it, it's. <laughs> You know, there's there's like the handful of people, maybe a dozen or so that like I actually trust and like wait to see if they say something. And then Elliot Friedman. <laughs> yeah. And then like the rest of it is like, I'm just assuming there's nothing to it. And, you know, like until or unless one of these people are like proven correct on something. Well, the last couple of like trade deadlines, I've just driven myself crazy with like seeing all these different rumors out there and this guy's attached to this team and blah, blah, blah. And, and I'm, and I always get like, Oh, like that would be sick to see him on the Bruins or whatever. And then it just never happens or whatever. So I've, I've adopted this new philosophy where I just, unless something's official, I just don't even put much thought into it. 
That said, because we are a podcast and we want some talking points, do you guys do you guys feel like Bergeron is? Do you guys feel like Bergeron is is is, is retiring because people were kind of whispering that the Bruins might have some burning desire to replace that and maybe make some some franchise altering moves? Take it for what it's worth, but I'm just going to ask you guys a question: Do you do you feel like Bergeron might be done? It, he definitely could be. I mean, I know it's like a weak response, but. I- I still feel like I'm at like 50-50. I do think he's probably let Don Sweeney know by now. So you got to assume that like whatever approach Sweeney's taking is with his decision in mind one way or the other. Um, you know, Bergeron and his wife also have their fourth kid on the way in like literally any day now. And I would think that Bergeron would have made his decision before that because, you know, once a baby comes along, like you're not, He's just going to want to be focused on that. He's not going to still want to be debating his decision on his future at the same time. I wouldn't think so. Scott knows from his experience of having so many kids. Got, got zero kids that, <laughs> that, that I know of. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I guess like if Sweeney is looking for, you know, a huge franchise altering move for a center, like if there's any truth to that, then. Sure, that could be an indication, but I would say, like, got to be a little careful because the Bruins could also trade for a center this offseason, whether that's, you know, Shifley or Elias Lindholm or someone else we're not really thinking. Like, Pierre-Luc Dubois kind of seems like he's going to the Kings. It seems like that's pretty close to getting done. Uh, you know, I guess things could change or could fall apart or whatever. Um you know, the Bruins could trade for a center with Bergeron still returning because you could just, you could pretty easily just bump Pavel Zaka back to the wing again for, for another year. So, you know, I think the Bruins know that they need another center at some point. And so, like, they could, even if Bergeron's come back, they could be looking at getting out a year ahead of that if the right deal's out there to be made. So, I don't, you know, to me, like, it, it's not, even if they trade for center, it's not a definitive sign that Bergeron's gone, although it certainly would lend some credence to that. But, um, you know, like I could see, I could see Zaka playing wing, especially if they, if they now don't sign Bertuzzi, like like we all think that trading Taylor Hall means, you know, Bertuzzi gets signed next, but that's going to come in the next few days. Cause I think if Bertuzzi gets to the open market on July 1st on Saturday, he's one of the top free agent forwards available. And I think he's going to have a lot of offers, a lot of interest and potentially get priced out of the Bruins range. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't think it's a total lock that like Bertuzzi's 100% back. I, I think the Bruins want to make that happen. And there's a lot of interest in doing that. And they will try to do so before the end of this week. But if that didn't happen, then like if they're still looking for a center, you can bump Zaka back over to left wing. And now you still have, you know, a really solid top six. Yeah. I mean, to answer the original question about Bergeron coming back, uh, I just, I feel like he, he wants to come back, but maybe logistically some life decisions are, you know, impacting what's going on. I would be kind of surprised if Krejci comes back. Um, Scott, you're right about the, the Zaka thing. Like he's versatile. You could, play him wherever um it'd be good to get a center either way obviously if you can but 
Um, we're probably not talking about a number one, like a, a really big move center um, in that situation just because of the cap. Though, as we mentioned before, Bergeron has been a, willing to take a really team-friendly deal, so he gives you a little bit of extra flexibility in that category. Um, well, and, and the- not not to interrupt, but specifically on like the two guys I mentioned, Shifley and Lindholm, they're on pretty affordable deals for this season. And then they would need extensions, but the cap's going to go up and the Bruins will have a lot more cap space next year. So like, like that could still work even for a, you know, a cap strap team. Yeah. And the other thing that I want to point out is that we're on like a very condensed timeline here because free agency, like you mentioned, and you know, we, we only have a few days left where some of these moves can be made before, um, no, no trade clauses change and, and different things like that. And, and before people reach the open market and before the draft. So if you're looking to make moves that involve picks, you know, that that's coming up really close. So this was, you know, we weren't necessarily expecting the Taylor Hall news when it happened yesterday, but it feels like there's at least going to be one other shoe to drop before the draft or before the, the weekend. It, it, it would make sense if, the timeline for that. So we could be on, I really hope this doesn't happen, but we've recorded before and then had to come back to the drawing board and be like, Oh, and also this person's gone now. Um, like when they fired Bruce Cassidy, uh, we had just recorded, but hopefully they, uh, they spread this out a little bit for us, but yeah, just to reiterate that the timeline there's, there's not a lot of time to get some of this done. So this, these things could be happening this week. Yeah, and, and as I kind of kicked off the speculation with how everybody seems to be an insider these days, one person who I do put stock in what they and what they report in particular as it, as it pertains to the Bruins is John Butchergrass, and he kind of you know mentioned that that he he's hearing things that the Bruins are trying to you know maybe do some big things, and so that that was the one that kind of stood out to me amongst amongst the others. Um, I don't know. I, I know we've had him on the podcast before, and I think we all feel that he's a very credible source, especially as, as, as it has to do with college hockey and, and his roots to the, to this Boston area. So is that what, what made you guys perk up a little bit too when, when he when he started to add on to that? Yeah, I mean, it was interesting because like the account that he quote tweeted was just a total BS account. Like that, that account went on to like tweet something after that was like clearly just not even remotely true. Um, but if Butchergrass is tweeting that, like, I'm assuming he was hearing something. I wonder, I wonder if it was the Taylor Hall thing or, you know, something bigger, like, cause I guess that's kind of, I feel like different people have different ideas of like what qualifies as big at this point, because like we've talked about trading Taylor Hall so much that that didn't really feel that big to me. Like I understand it is because Taylor Hall is a big name and, Six million dollars is a pretty big contract, but it was like almost expected. Like you know, I don't think anyone was really shocked. But does Butchergrass look at that and, and consider that big? Like that, I just don't know. So, you know, like it, it would is if he's tweeting something like that. It it feels to me like that's something bigger than just dumping Taylor Hall's contract. But maybe not. Like maybe that's exactly what he was hearing, and you know, now it's happened. So, um. One thing I do think is I'm confident that like Don Sweeney is calling everyone and like exploring all different kinds of options. I think that's clear. Like every insider 
you know, you hear from whatever podcast or shows they're on. They say like, he's been one of the most active GMs. Like he's been all over the phone lines. And that makes a lot of sense because they're a team that has to do a lot and has to see, you know, what the market is for players that he's potentially going to trade away. Who's available for players he wants to target like all of that. So yeah, that requires a lot of legwork to make all those phone calls and kind of get a feel for just for what the market is like, just what you might be able to get for your own guys, what you might have to give up for other players, you know, whether it's, whether it is a center or a defenseman or a wing, because again, they still only have six forwards under contract. So rounding out that lineup has to come from somewhere. And it's not, I don't think it's going to be all AHL rookies. Like I, I think there's going to be a couple forwards brought in, whether it's through trade or free agency somehow. So, um, or guys that they're re-signing, obviously, you know, we think they're going to re-sign Trent Frederick. Tyler Bertuzzi seems like a priority. We've, we've heard there's mutual interest in Garnet Hathaway re-signing, if that makes sense. So, um, yeah, I think it, it makes sense that like there's a lot of rumors around the Bruins because I think when you're making that many phone calls and talking to that many different GMs, yeah, some of it leaks and gets out there and people start thinking, oh, wow, they're talking to that team? Like, who could they be targeting? You know, and like all that starts going and that's how you end up with, you know, everyone kind of tweeting like, I'm here on the Bruins are doing something big. And it's like, <laughs> well, yeah, of course, because they're talking to everyone, so... Yeah, that's true. I guess if you tweet that right before uh, free agency starts, then you're probably going to nail it. Like just because, yeah, they it's pretty clear they needed to do a few big things. Taylor Hall is a big name, and um, I liked him in his time in Boston. So, uh, and and clearly they did too when they signed the extension. So it it, it is kind it is big in that way. Um, he's not he's not in your top six though. They had hoped he would be in their top six when they first got him, I think, um, and was for at different times, but didn't end up there most of the last season. Um, I, yeah, I don't want to keep speculating, but it seems like, well, and also another thing that Don Sweeney has to do with his calls is if he knows who's not coming back from his free agents, he's going to be trying to fill those holes. So um, like if he knows Clifton's gone or, you know, name ex free agent uh because there's so many uh he's going to be having to try to figure out especially on d if there's not very many internal solutions orlov as well i hear i've heard jones talk about it in particular a lot that they should prioritize bringing back orlov as well as bertuzzi but i just feel like that's not as realistic because to have the space for both of them would be pretty difficult it seems like unless one of these other big moves were to happen. I can't wait to to tweet out hours before the draft, hearing a lot of prospects on the move today. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good, good. There you yeah, go. Yeah, I mean Orloff, Orloff, I like Orloff. He's not I'm not taking I'm not prioritizing him over Bertuzzi. I mean you have on the left side right now as as it stands today, I mean you have you have Lindholm, you have Grizzlick, you have like you have Laura in the system. Um and I don't know. I don't love the term that Orloff would get. I also just don't feel like – I just feel like he's a luxury right now. I feel like Bertuzzi is a – he's a necessity. I, I feel like Orloff would be a luxury. So um, Yeah, and Orloff mentioned in his um, 
getaway day, whatever what was it called? Breakup day Break interview, day. breakup day interview that this is probably going to be his last big contract. So that means it's very important for him to try to set himself up for, to get as much money as he can, because this could be the last big one that he gets. So it seemed like that's what he was, where his head was at when he was talking about becoming a free agent. Yeah. And, and, you know, also like trading Taylor Hall for that, for that cap relief, it's easy to draw conclusions that it's for money to afford Tyler Bertuzzi, but it's like, yeah, but you know, Patrice Bergeron isn't coming back for free. I mean, even if he's coming back for something small, like, like there's, there's, there's a lot that they have to move around just to bring back a couple of pieces that we still take for granted, like Patrice Bergeron. Like we all right now, we kind of talk like is Bergeron coming back? Yes or no. It's like, okay, if the answer is yes, for how much now he'll probably take a discount obviously, but they still got to find that room. So it's, so it, the Taylor Hall was like it was very very necessary to 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 move that that salary cap for yeah the prospect of Bertuzzi but also for other things and that's that's why like on the back end um, you know honestly I, unless you're Charlie McAvoy or David Pasternak I just I have a hard time saying that anybody is untouchable on this team and if there's a deal to be made and and and, and you know maybe maybe you're just more or less relieving salary I, I don't know i the bruins don't really have much of an option like they don't have they they don't have much of an option so um yeah yeah i don't know it's uh Scott, it's, it's a lot lot they gotta figure out here correct me if i'm wrong with the the taylor hall contract being off the books does that bring them up to 10 million dollars of cap space at this point yeah they're just under 11 million yeah okay so, so that's that's the number that they'll be working with here yeah, I mean, I I like Gorbachev too, and I think he's he he was a really good fit, and I think he brings a lot of like what they've been looking for to reinforce that left side. Um, but yeah, it, there would have to be multiple other moves to make to to be able to get there. Like, then you probably are talking about trading away Lena Salmark to free up a chunk of money, and you know you're probably making a, a hopefully a hockey trade to move Matt Grizzly, whether that's for picks, prospects, whatever. And then you're probably buying out Mike Riley, which I think, you know, may very well happen no matter what, but yeah. Cause then you could see a left side of Lindholm or law forward. And it's like, all right, that looks pretty good. Like now you've got a really good decor that you feel good about again. Um, you know, otherwise you're probably putting Matt Grizzly back in the top four, which as we know, regular season he does very well there whether he's playing with McAvoy or Carlo that works and then playoffs you know he either he struggles or he's hurt or the Bruins don't trust him and he's a healthy scratch or or whatever so you know it's Grizzly in particular it's just such like an interesting one to me this offseason because you do feel like they they have to decide exactly what they think of him like do you trust him to go back into the top four and be a regular for you? Because if you do, then you, you hang on to him and that's how you, you know, round out your decor. And then then you basically have one spot up for grabs if Clifton leaves. But if you're going to be in the same spot every year where, you know, you're constantly looking to upgrade from him at the trade deadline and you, you don't really trust him in the playoffs. And it's like, well, then you might as well trade him. Like what's the point of hanging on to him? If that's, if that's how you feel about him and he's making, you know, $3.8 million. Like, so yeah, I, I could 
see them trying to add on the left side of the defense if they, especially if they do trade away Grizzly. But, you know, does that, does all that come together and happen in time to sign Orlov, who, like Bertuzzi up front, would be one of the top defensemen on the market? And you would have to assume would have some pretty good offers right off the bat and potentially sign, you know, right over the weekend. Like, again, you know, time's ticking with all these guys. So if the Bruins at all have any plans of, trying to sign Orlov, then the moves the moves to free up that money have to happen soon. Although I will note, you can, you can go 10% over the cap during the offseason. Um, people may or may not know this. So, like, for now, you have an extra $8 million to work with. But obviously, at some point, you know, other teams are going to realize you're over the cap, and then that makes it even harder to shed salary because teams know you have to do it to get to opening nights. So, um that becomes a little tougher to move contracts out at that point. So do we have any, do we have a breaking news sounder alarm yet for the skate pod? Um, no? I'll work on it. Okay. I'll work on it. So basically I'll just say this, the, uh, the Bruins have a new, new uh, logo. They have, they have, they have a new crest for their centennial season. It's more or less the Cam Neely, Ray Bork, Terry O'Reilly era Bruins. And this has been speculated for honestly dating back to last season. I remember Pete Blackburn was, was talking about this with us on the podcast. And, um, but yeah, I, I, the Bruins are pretty much going, it looks like they're going to go back to the, um, the, the seventies, eighties uniforms for the centennial season. And likely probably after that as well, which is, we don't know what the roster is going to be next year, but they'll be the best looking team on, on ice. That's for sure. Because those uniforms are the best that they've had in, in the franchise, in my opinion. And, and I, I would put them up against any, any in the league or past or present. Yeah. So Brian, was that like the sounder for the emergency fashion segment that you just started? <laughs> yeah. Well, look, I mean, I think it's uh, I think there's a lot of listeners for us and not everybody cares what uniforms, but um, you know, our listenership ranges from, probably younger kids to people in their 60s, 70s who have watched the Bruins over eras. And I think, you know, I think they probably think that's pretty cool. So. Yeah. I'll I'll be interested to see what the, what the jerseys look like. Um, This crest, like I watched the video uh, just before we start recording and it, it seems like the idea is it's like combining kind of all their different crests, like little elements of like each era, whether that's, you know, a color or even just like the way the um like the outline of it is or whatever so it's not the exact same as like any previous era but brian's right it does look like that kind of 70s 80s crest um with you know a little more yellow than like today's has so it'll be interesting to see like if you know are there going to be new jersey obviously the jersey is going to look different if this crest is on them but you know is there like a whole new Jersey designed to go along with it. And what does that end up looking like? So, um, but yeah, I mean, hard to go wrong with really any version of, of the spoke to be, but I do, I do like that kind of look with, with, you know, more yellow in it. It's also possible that the yellow logo is for the black Jersey and that the white Jersey might have black on the, on the perimeter. So it's, I mean, that's, that's, Back and that's what they um that's what the Bruins used to do. They used to, they literally had a different logo for home and away. Um, they currently it's the same for both jerseys, but yeah, 
But anyway, um, we've I mean, already been well. blessed with mess with meth bear this past season. So well, and meth bear would be on the shoulder of these, I, I think, because 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 to give him another tip of the cap, but like so, Pete Blackburn tweeted back to back baseball caps with this low with like, and he also like somebody somebody designed Luke Luke. I don't know, Wojnarz. I don't know how to say his last name, but he designed these jerseys. And I think where there's smoke, there's fire. And I think basically, um, yeah, I think it's more or less going to be the Neely Bork era type jerseys, which I think is. I mean, it's my favorite uh, Bruins uniforms ever. So, oh, sorry about the uh, the big noise there. But um, anyway, so now we can go back to discussing what the the players in those uniforms would would potentially be next year. And um, I'll just go back quickly to the Bergeron thing. Um, up until Recently, I, I kind of assumed that we were just talking about the centennial season. I do think it's important for him to be part of that season. I think he wants to be part of that season. I think he also wants to help the Bruins transition from him to whoever the next center would be. I don't think he wants to just kind of like leave him in the dust. Even if he gives him a couple months to figure it out, like he knows a couple months in the summertime is tough to replace Bergeron or even come close to that. But I didn't, what I didn't know, Scott, was that he's expecting his fourth child soon. And you know, that's, that's real life stuff right there. And, and to be on the road for 41 games a year, um, when you already have three kids at home, plus the newborn, it's, it's a lot to, to put on your wife. And so that's a wrinkle that I wasn't aware of. Um, they're there a lot. I see his kids are there all the time mm-hmm. running okay. around the locker room playing with a touchscreen. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know what his decision is going to be. I, I do agree with you guys that whatever his decision is, I do believe the Bruins are aware of it. And I guess we'll maybe we'll find some context clues coming up here. What that answer might be. Also, yeah, with and, the, sorry, go ahead, Scott. Well, I was gonna say, like, by the way, we should mention that the NHL awards were, were Monday night, and Bergeron won his sixth Selkie Trophy, second in a row. He now has two more than anyone else in history, and it obviously, like, totally deserved. He got 187 of 196 first place votes, and it does fit. It's like. I know there was, you know, there was a slight dip in five on five offense. Like if you, if you wanted to nitpick and try to find an area where there was maybe a tiny bit of drop off, like that's where you'd go. But the all around game is still so good. Like it's uh, not a lot of athletes walk away when they're still one of the best in the game. Like that's, that's hard to do. Cause generally once, once you do that, like you're not coming back after a year away you're not getting it back. So man, like, I don't know. Like, I feel like it'd be really hard for him to walk away. Still being that good, still being, you know, arguably the best 200 foot center in the game. Like that's, yeah, he's obviously still has a lot to offer. And even like we talk about, you know, Oh, it'd be nice if they could, you know, limit his, maybe limit, cut his minutes a little more. Maybe it's more of a second line role, but it's like, realistically though like he was absolutely still good enough to be a first line center last year like that you know there's still his game is obviously still good enough to really make an impact and help the team win and obviously it's unfortunate that you know he suffered the injury at the very end of the season and we didn't get to see him be healthy in the playoffs but um you know he doesn't he didn't need surgery so that's not a factor like he other than welcoming a newborn with which throws a wrench into any off season, like he can have a relatively normal off season and, and, you know, work, do all those regular workouts and practices and skating and all that. So 
I don't know. I mean, if he's walking away, it's definitely with something still in the tank. Like it's not, it's not like he ran until the tires fell off. Yeah. That, that's what kind of blows my mind with the, the talk radio narrative that Bergeron's washed up. It's like, well, he just won another selfie guys. Like he, he had an injury in the playoffs that tainted. I feel like it tainted so many people's thought of where he was this season. And, and also that injury, I, I believe we've read through, um, you know, what the treatment for it is. It's not super serious. It's not hard to fix that injury. It's not like he needed surgery. And by the way, he did play in the playoffs. It wasn't keeping him from playing hockey. Was it keeping him from being hundred percent? Yes. But like, this wasn't something that is as concerning as I think people look at it and see, and they look at his age, but look, we've, we mentioned this before. He played almost an entire season. Um, he still good enough to win another Selkie. Uh, he's not, he's not washed up and he's going to help you with this huge cap, this huge cap struggle that you're having. And by the way, all the awards that the Bruins won last night, Bergeron gets the Selkie. Postnock's the only one who doesn't win, but he's going against McDavid. So, uh, you know, he's a close second. Uh, He was, he was maybe a distant second. I don't know. He was second. Um, He he got... He got the only first place vote that didn't go to McDavid. So I I can't wait. I hope we find out who this writer was at some point. But someone had McDavid fifth. No. <laughs> that is absolutely insane. <laughs> oh, God. That guy's going to lose his rights or her. <laughs> he or she is losing their, their vote. <laughs> but so Bergeron wins the Selkie. Montgomery wins the Jack Adams. Uh, Vesna for Allmark. Uh, Pasternak and Olmark both got first team uh, NHL All-Stars. Lindholm was on second team, uh, the yeah. second team NHL uh, All-Stars. So Lindholm finished, another... yeah, Lindholm finished fourth in Norris voting and wasn't that far behind Kale McCarr for third. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. All of this I'm saying to put in perspective how good a team they had last year that you're not going to be able to keep a good chunk of them. You, you still, you see them going out and getting these awards and yet there's still, you know, controversy over whether Bergeron, you should bring him back or not. I think most people understand the reasons why it would make a lot of sense if you could get him to agree to it. But if you think about all the money that, that they're having to to free up right now to keep the exact same team that they could have had last year. It's just ridiculous how much talent and how much value that team had. Uh, and it's not going to be the same this year. So when you guys were watching the awards last night, Jim Montgomery winning the, the Jack Adams trophy was, was, was well-deserved based on last year's regular season and his story is uh, very inspiring and, and admirable. And uh, you know, regardless of playoff shortcomings, I mean, everybody, I mean, I, 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 have said this before in a podcast, like I, I very seldom will help will hold the coach responsible for, for the actions of players. Like players play the game coaches. You can drop the X's and O's you can inspire, you can, but it's, there's only so much you can do when the puck drops and the, the game is bo- played between the boards and the coach is standing on the bench. So I know Jim Montgomery had some questionable playoff decisions, but I, I, I don't really look at, I really don't, I fault the players first and foremost. So when I watch him, when the Jack Adams, I felt 
great for him. Um, it was there was no coulda shoulda wouldas in my mind because I just was really happy for him. The coulda shoulda wouldas in my mind come in when I just see all the Bruins nominated like Pashnak, all the players nominated Pashnak, Allmark, uh, Pashnak twice, Allmark, uh, Bergeron. <laughs> So when you when you guys are watching those awards and 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 you just think back about how the Bruins are just you know up for everything essentially and and you, you pan to the they pan to the audience and you're seeing the Bruins players surrounded by other players who played for 6 to 8 more weeks more than they did like Yeah, Kachuk. Did you guys get those? Yeah, like did you guys Well, that was an, that was an obvious one, right? Like you have the split screen of of McDavid, Pashnak and Kachuk and it's like, well, McDavid was over in the Western Conference, but you know, Kachuk versus Pashnak, like Kachuk won that battle. And 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 Pasta like had a decent series and wasn't the reason that the Bruins lost, wasn't the reason that they won ultimately. Kachuk was one of the reasons that Florida did win. But long-winded way of saying, like, when how'd you guys feel watching that award show? Was it just another kind of kick in the gut? Like, uh, just let's just move on from this season, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I was kind of so it did seem like the guys who won, you know, certainly they gave like they, they seem to appreciate winning and I hope like as time goes on, like they can appreciate it more. And I hope fans can as well, because yeah, we all know like none of those mean a whole lot compared to a Stanley cup. Obviously the Stanley cup matters a thousand times more and is the only real goal at the end of the day. But those awards do mean something. And like the, those guys should be proud to win them, you know, Bergeron having that many Selkies and winning another in runaway fashion at age 37 is insane. Like that is like a remarkable accomplishment. Allmark, you know, having a losing record before coming to Boston and then develop, you know, growing into a goalie who wins the triple crown, one of only two in the last 30 years to do that, tying the franchise record for wins and then winning a Vezina. Like that's, that's, a remarkable accomplishment. Like he should be really proud of that. Jim Montgomery is a great story. You know, having his coaching career temporarily, temporarily de- derailed um, by alcohol addiction, which obviously he has talked about before and talked about in his speech um, and now coming back and, and winning the Jack Adams in his first season and setting regular season wins and points records. Like, yeah, like that's that's a great story. Um, so I do think like those awards should deserve to be celebrated and recognized and appreciated. But I also understand like it, especially for fans, it's really difficult to do that right now because all you care about is that they lost in the first round and your attention is on, you know, what they're going to do this offseason and who's even going to be back. And is it the end of an era? You know, does Bergeron retire? Like, yeah, obviously fans are worried about a lot more than awards. So I get that, you know, no one was really throwing like an NHL awards party and celebrating last night. But, um, you know, I I feel like I'm glad for those. Like, I'm happy for those guys winning. Um, but also understand like why some fans don't don't really care or aren't exactly in a in a mood to celebrate those wins. Yeah, it was incredibly well-deserved, every single one of those. So, um, 
however i was talking to arcan yesterday and he was like this just makes me sad like this just just makes it worse like salt in the wound that we were and i was saying i was like i had canceled all my plans for june just in case there was a duck boat parade that we were going to be going to like i had made sure not to plan anything in june for celtics ruins everything was looking great then we got the cursed baseball hat and both i mean celtics obviously made it much further but it was a such a very hopeful end of april and like into may that never saw it coming that there would be such a you know a stark contrast between the accolades that the players are getting and deserve and the difference in what the actual end result was for the team um it shows you just how much they should have been able to go further. Um, it's yeah, it, it is what it is. I think Bruins fans, I, I mean, obviously if you're a big Bruins fan, you're still happy for the guys. Um, but it does feel, it, it just does kind of feel like salt in the wounds a little bit to watch it and just see how many guys on your team that you follow, uh, we're right there in the among the best, but couldn't put it together. Yeah, I mean, I, I never would have watched that award show and uh and, and and felt salt in the wounds had they lost in the conference finals or even the Stanley Cup finals. Like you can at least sit there and say, like, you know, they gave it their best. They only one team can win every year, despite what the regular season record was. That said, the first round exit to me was unacceptable because they literally fell to every cliche that was warned about being that team. Like they, they just, they, they were everything that everybody warned about being that president's trophy, historic team. They, 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 they lived up to that. And that's what annoys me the most about this team. Yes. They were that team that fell in the first round to a, to a, to an eight seed. They were that team that choked a three, one series lead away. Like they, they were all those things. They were that team that looked nothing like they did in the regular season. So that's what annoys me about the postseason. Not that they didn't win a Stanley Cup. The Stanley Cup is the hardest trophy in sports to win. One team can win it despite how you finish the regular season. But let's be honest. They they fell very, very short of, of, of anything acceptable from based off of what they did in the regular season. So that's what that's what pisses me off about you know how how things ended. Yeah, but regular season awards are what they are. Like, you know, you can't take anything away from what they did in the regular season, regardless of the outcome in the playoffs. And you it's know that reminder, guys... it's just a reminder of like it's just a reminder of yeah this is how good you guys were and this is how you didn't play when it mattered most you know you know that when the guys got there too it was bittersweet it's one thing to win the Vesna if you just won the Stanley Cup and you're like on top of the world that that's you know an on top of the world feeling instead it's a bittersweet feeling for yourself I'm sure being there and you know, accepting the award and giving the speech about, oh, you know, thank you so much to my teammates and what and whatnot, and just knowing that you didn't, it, it's a different feeling to to go there after you, you know, won a Stanley Cup and put it all out there. They definitely could feel like they they definitely felt like that kid in high school that's walking around the halls and knows everybody's talking about them, like whispering about them behind their backs, like gossiping about them. It's like they they felt like that. I mean, you walk you walk into an an award show and like the whole hockey world like watch what happened like it's just everybody knows everybody there in that room knew how much the Bruins failed to come close to their goal like it, it was I mean that's 
I don't think I'll ever forget what that room was like after that game seven overtime loss. Like that was just, that was miserable. That was a miserable room. Um, and just stunned. I will say, I think the, at the awards, I think the Bruins were lucky that, so the NHL awards, I love watching them just for how awkward and unintentionally funny they always are. It's like, it's so uncomfortable at times, but the NHL in the past has had like some comedians host who will, you know, really dig into people. And they were, the Bruins are probably glad that like there wasn't a comedian who was going to, you know, reel off like five jokes at their expense. Um, yeah, it's country Dirk, singers. Yeah. Dirk Spenley was the host and he, he like kind of made one at one point, but it was very half hearted and like not, even a good joke so that that um, jerks he's just too nice yeah so like i think they were spared like real humiliation or just like constantly being mocked throughout the night which you know you could see like i don't know say you put that in toronto and there's some sort of comedian who's like a maple leafs fan or something like you you could have seen that being a much more uncomfortable night for them yeah, but then um, you're going to have to turn those jokes back on yourself because you may believe again. So like, yeah, right. it's coming back at you. But yeah, so, you know, it, it just, it feels like a, like a subdued night. Like it's just, you recognize that, yeah, those are all nice accomplishments and you're happy for those guys. But it, like, like I said, like it's just a reminder of how good they were and, you know, how short they ultimately came up. Yeah, and then Scott, you gotta go soon because you're you're going on. Are you going on with Jones and Mego or Gresham Fourier? Gresham Fourier. So okay. people, Scott, if Scott people haven't heard enough of me, with... they can they can find that on demand after they listen to this. Yeah, yeah. Scott was on last night with uh, Fitzy and Hart, and I had a chance to put Scotty Popcorn's picture <laughs> on the on the screen when I was running the Twitch. Uh, the commercial break was just a picture of Scott eating popcorn. And then the next one was just Scott as popcorn. <laughs> um, so he was popcorn. happy. Yeah, Scotty popcorn. Uh, anyway, any final thoughts, guys, on Hall and Felino, who we didn't talk about really much at all. But these were two guys that I enjoy talking to throughout the season and always give really nice answers. Um, mature, very, very mature. Obviously, Felino being a former captain, but Taylor Hall had a lot of emotional maturity. And sometimes I feel like even answered questions that he maybe gave us more details than the team would have liked him to give, um, which is great for us. I, I just, I thought both of those guys were actually pretty stand up guys. So I want to say that before uh, we finish up on, you know, them, them leaving town. Yeah. And I, and I think that'll, that'll be good for Chicago to have those guys, um, you know, good for Felino getting $4 million. I don't think anyone else was going to, Give them that, but Chicago's a team with oodles of cap space that actually had to get up to the cap floor, never mind being anywhere near the ceiling. Um, so they can do that for one year, and he'll be a good leader. You know, that's obviously Chicago's drafting Connor Bedard first overall. So I know people are like, why would they even want to, you know, bring in veterans? Like, aren't they rebuilding? And it's like, well, because you want to bring Connor Bedard into like a good culture. Like, you want him to have guys to learn from in terms of how to be a pro and what it takes and start to build something there. And like, not, you know, so like Felino helps with that, obviously a former captain himself, uh, 
Taylor Hall, I think, helps with that. Like, you know, I think I think he was a good locker room fit here. I think he has definitely matured. Um, you know, certain I mean the Taylor Hall that we saw in Boston was definitely mature. I know you hear stories about him when he was younger, but yeah, he's but he's 30 now. Yeah. And I would say both of those two guys were two of the most accountable guys, even like in the media, the way that they answered questions, they held themselves accountable. And those are, you know, qualities you'd want around a a young guy like Bedard. Yeah. And and Taylor Hall will probably play in Bedard's wing, which again, like you want him to have good wings when he steps into the NHL. You don't want him playing with two bums and it's like, all right, go figure it out, Connor. You know, you, you're going to carry us. So, uh, Good, good move from the Blackhawks end. And I think, you know, Felino and Hall, obviously they would rather be competing for a Stanley cup. Not neither one of them has ever won one, but I think they'll be professionals and they'll embrace, you know, a, a new role in a, in a new place in Chicago. Would you say that then this was a trade that was a win for both sides? I feel like both sides got what they, what they wanted and, and made themselves, made themselves. Uh, I wouldn't say the Bruins made themselves better by getting rid of Hall, but they put themselves because of the situation they were in, they're able to, to kind of get what they wanted out of it. Well, I'm now that I think about it, what the Bruins traded away Felino's UFA rights. When you're an unrestricted free agent, what rights do the Bruins have to that player? Just like they can discuss with him prior to other teams. Is that what it yeah. is? Yeah. That it, it was just negotiating before July 1st. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So um, I think like, Taylor Hall, well, first of all, Connor Bedard can come in and he can turn Chicago. He if he's as good as his stats say he is, and and he's this McDavid Crosby type prospect, like, you know, he could turn Chicago from from basement dwellers into a bubble team in a year. And next thing you know, maybe, maybe people want to go there again because he's there. And and you know, Chicago struck oil with with, with like landing him. It's <laughs> so whatever. And and Taylor Hall can absolutely benefit will benefit from that. Like Taylor Hall is more of a long-term probably fixture in Chicago. Like they'll probably, you know, they'll probably maybe try to resign him another couple of years or whatever. And maybe he's going to hop up to like 80 points playing with, with, with Bedard. Nick Foligno, you know, he's an interesting one. Like, you know, Chicago needs a captain. Jonathan Taves is, is, is retired. Um, His leadership is out of the room and maybe they, maybe they slap a C on Nick Foligno for a couple of years and, and, and try to really, and, and do that's probably what that could be why they're giving them four million dollars to come in and nick we need this culture established for for the long haul and we need you to come in for two three two three years and be our captain here and, and until they give bedard the c at 22 right so um yeah, good for both guys um i i thought they were good bruins taylor hall gets a bad gets a bad rap in, in, in local media pundits but like he had nothing to do with the bruins not getting past the first round. In fact, he actually he had Bridget. You mentioned earlier he had a good first round series. He took his role in the third line um, without hesitation. And Nick Foligno had a really strong bounce back year up until his injury, and then maybe playoffs. It was tough to kind of get back to full form. Um, but you know, a guy like Nick Foligno is a reason why I I was so certain that this Bruins team wasn't going to flounder in the first round and be that first round casualty because I just thought that this Bruins team had everything. They had they had grit, they had skill, they had depth. So. But regardless, their time in Boston is done, and um, I, I enjoyed watching them, the two of them and, and wish them nothing but the best for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, Scott, you have a you have a hard out in five minutes, so maybe any any final comments from either of you guys before we wrap this up? No, I think I'm good. I mean, we didn't really touch on the prospects they get back, but 
I guess I would say like their their bodies, you know, they might get a chance to compete for an NHL roster spot. More likely they're in Providence. And, you know, we talked about it with Mark Diver, like how thin the Bruins are at defense, just in terms of like who do they even call up? Like who even gets a chance to compete for a roster spot? So the combination of Mitchell and Regula from Chicago and then the trade for Riley Walsh from New Jersey, where all they you know, all they gave up there was um Shane Bowers, who they just got for Keith Kincaid last year. Um, you know, so I don't know, they're fringe NHLers, they're guys who can compete. Maybe they, you know, they can get called up during the season. And who knows, maybe one of them becomes something. You know, Regula's the youngest, so maybe it's him, but yeah, you know, a couple of dart throws and at the very least some organizational depth that I think they needed on defense. Is it worth reading into the fact that they're all right-handed D-men? I mean, it, it's certainly, yeah, you can certainly look at that and be like, well, those are guys who are going to compete if Connor Clifton's gone, right? Like mm-hmm. that would make sense. I don't, I don't necessarily think it would like block them from re-signing Clifton if somehow there ends up being a deal that makes sense and they have the money. Um, because none of those guys are like locks for the NHL. So it's not like you're, you know, like you're not leaving a spot open for them, but if there is a spot there, then you let them compete for it. All right, Bridget, any final thoughts for you? No, we got to let Scotty go. He's a busy man this week. Scotty's got to (laughs) go. All right. (laughs) All right. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. We will talk to you very soon.